0: Therefore we praise Him, seek His assistance, and we seek His forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners. I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with his slave servant and his messenger. We would like to begin our third lecture in the series concerning the explanation of Al-Aqidah al-Tahawiyyah by Imam Abu Ja'far Ahmed ibn Muhammad Tahawiy al-Hanafi Rahimahullah may Allah have mercy on him. Uh, we began last week with the first point from the book where Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says الله الله He said that we say concerning the Tawheed of Allah uh, believing that success is from Allah that verily Allah He is one, wahidun, la sharika lahu. And he has no partner or associate or anyone who shares in any of those things that are exclusively for him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let me just mention that in the last week's discussion, we discussed in some detail and some repetition the uh, explanation of at tawheed and the division of at tawheed as many of the scholars have divided it into three main aspects and we also discussed the commentary from Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani where he mentioned the opposite of the three aspects of Tawheed the three aspects of shirk in Tawheed And these two matters are related to one another. The three divisions of Tawheed are directly related to the three aspects of Shirk in Tawheed. And it is important that we understand it well. It is the most important aspect of Al-Aqeedah, Tawheed. And as uh, one of the scholars said in discussing this book, Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyyah He said That the negation Of These three aspects of shirk In Tawheed The shirk In Allah's Rububiyyah His Lordship Associating anything with him in any way Or giving The credit To anything in the creation To having any power or authority In Allah's kingdom As well as The shirk of associating anything or anyone with Allah in His divine and perfect names or characteristics asma sifat, as well as giving or offering or directing any aspect of worship to other than Allah that is making shirk in the Tawheed of al uluhiyyah which is also called a tawheed al ubudiyyah and it is also called a tawheed al These three aspects of shirk are all equally important and should be avoided. No doubt, Al-Imam al-Tahawi knowing the importance of a tawheed he began his book. The first point he began with, Inna allaha wahid, verily really Allah is one, pointing to the importance of at tawheed And then he didn't stop there, but he went on, to make clear his statement, Inna Allah Wahid Wahid la sharika And this, la sharika this is an indication or a pointing to the shirk. So, here in this one sentence, Inna Allah la sharika lah, he has pointed both to the importance of tawheed, that Allah is unique and alone in these things, and also, after affirming such, he has negated that anyone shares in any way. Uh, any of these rights or these divine qualities or characteristics with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pointing to the danger of associating anything with Allah in these three aspects of shirk Al-Imam Al-Tahawi after this first point, he begins to, or he goes on he begins to uh, explain in more detail some of the important points related to Tawheed. And in the second point he says, "Wala shay'a That there is nothing like Him, like Allah. "Wala shay'a And there is nothing that can overwhelm him or is outside of his power control or authority. وَلَا ilaha غَيْرُهُ And there is nothing that has, to be right, has the right to be worshipped other than Him. Perhaps uh, you are, if you are following us with the book, the, my translation may be a little different, but inshallah, hopefully the meaning is the same. And if there is any significant difference between what you are reading in the text of the translation and what I am saying, then you should make a note of it. Because perhaps there are some points where the wording of the translation is not very accurate and perhaps uh, needs to be uh, made a note of. Here in these sentences Al-Imam Al-Tahawi has explained the three aspects of Tawheed. That Allah is one and He has no partner. This is in all the aspects of Tawheed, that He is unique. In all of these things, and he has, and no one shares with him in any of it. Wala shay'a misluhu also can be applicable to all the three aspects of a tawheed, but more importantly, we should pay attention to this as a principle in the tawheed of al-asma ال- wa As-Sifa. That in Allah's name and his characteristics, especially, especially, this point uh, becomes important: that there's nothing like Him or similar to Him or nothing that we can make an example of in order to understand Allah. We don't make any example and say Allah is like this example and we cannot understand Allah from any examples or parables uh, because Allah is above all of this. And then he says wala shay'a and this is an indication for a pointing to the Tawheed of ar that Allah's power and authority and control over everything uh, which is part of a tawheed al rububiyyah His Lordship that there is nothing outside of His Rububiyyah, His authority and power and control Wala ilaha غَيْرُهُ and this is a direct indication of the Tawheed of Al-Uluhiyya There is nothing that has the right to be worshipped except Him so here He has in these few sentences uh, explained really the importance Aspects of a Tawheed, whoever understands this, inshallah, they will be safe from violating the Tawheed of Allah or falling into shirk. Then, inshallah, after this, perhaps, we will try to explain a little further some of the aspects of Tawheed. He goes on to say, "Qadimun bilā ibtida," That he is Qadim, that Allah is Qadim which means ancient, and he has no beginning. Daimun بلا He is eternal or everlasting without any ending. لا يفنى ولا يبيد He neither perishes nor does he come to an end. ولا يكونوا إلا ما يريد. And nothing will be except that which Allah wills. Uh, perhaps we will stop here if we can complete the explanation of these points. The first of them, after the affirmation of Allah's uniqueness and the negation of any partner with him in that uniqueness, he says, وَلَا Shaykh Abdrahman or Abdullah Rahman, in his explanation of this sentence he says Wahhaba min usulat Tawheed This is a fundamental principle of Tawheed to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala naisa ka mislihi cha'un as same bafir. This is from the Quran uh, I think uh, Surah al-Shura, Surah verse 11. Uh, this statement is based on this ayah from the Qur'an, that there is nothing like him, and he is as samir the all-hearing, al-baqir, the all seeing or the one who has perfect hearing and perfect seeing. This is a fundamental principle in Tawheed, and particularly it is a principle that helps us to understand properly the Tawheed of al Asma wa sifa This means that Allah is not similar to anyone in the creation or anything in the creation. Nor is anything in the creation similar to Allah. Allah cannot be compared to anything in the creation, nor can anything in the creation be compared to Allah. Not in His that, and the word that is difficult to translate. We may say, as that it means the person or the self or the being, or the essence. We say that every person, if you point to anyone, the the person, the being, that is called that. And we say that Allah, His that is not like the that of anything in creation, human, animal, plant, mineral, or otherwise. The that of Allah is different, is unique from any other person or being in his creation. Also in his actions, in his afa'al. Similarly in his actions nothing can be compared to him nor can he be compared to anything in his actions. Allah's actions are complete, completely different, perfect, unique from the actions of anything in the creation. And also in his name, his asma, his perfect name, as well as in his sifat, his perfect characteristics. And finally also in his hukuq or his rights, And that means his rights of worship. Particularly that Allah alone has the right to be worshipped. To be obeyed, to be loved with complete love. To be submitted to in complete submission and so on. These are the rights of Allah and they are Allah's exclusive rights. Then he says, "Wala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever He wills He has the power and the ability to do it there is nothing outside of His power nothing enables or I mean, nothing renders Him incapable or unable to do something Allah is completely able and capable to do whatever He wills and Allah says in the Quran in Surah Yasin chapter 36 verse 82 إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا يقول لَهُ كُنْ فيكون. That the command or the matter with Allah whenever He wants anything, He simply says to it, Be, and it is. So Allah is completely capable and able to do whatever He wills simply by the command of the word, Kun, Be, and that thing, will be as Allah wills it to be. There is nothing difficult for him, and there is nothing uh, outside of his reach, or capability. Allah also says in the Quran, in Surah Al-Fatiha verse 44, كَانَ عَلِيْمًا قَدِيرًا That Allah, that there is nothing in the heaven or in the earth that is outside of Allah's reach or power. Verily really Allah is alim qadir He is all-knowing and all-powerful. And this is an indication of the completeness and the perfection of Allah's power and ability. That whatever He wills, it will be. And whatever He does not will, it will not be. And all of this discussion about Allah's ability, it is related to the perfection of His rububiyya, Allah's Lordship. Then He says, وَلَا ilaha غَيْرُهُ And there is nothing that should be worshipped or is entitled to be worshipped. Except Him, except Allah And this غيره, It is the word of a Tawheed It is the word which all of the prophets and messengers call the people to In every nation, in every generation, in every land in the earth From the beginning of time until the end As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Nahl Chapter 16 verse 36 وَلَقَدَ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةٍ رَسُولًا أَنِعْضُدُ اللَّهَ وَاجْتَنِبُوا الطَّاغُوتِ That definitely we have raised up a mission in every nation a messenger to call the people, ordering them to worship Allah and to avoid the worship or obedience of الطاغوت, the false gods that have no right to be worshipped. The meaning of all this is that there is no one that deserves al-ibadah, worship, except Allah. And that is due to the fact that he is al-khaliq, the creator, who has created everything. If he created everything, then how does anything other than him deserve to be worshipped? And he is al Razik, the provider, who provides for everything in this creation. And he is al-malik, the owner and controller, and al-mudabbir the one who has complete control uh, in the affairs of the universe for this reason he alone deserves to be singled out for all types of worship to the exclusion of anyone besides him and whatever is worship other than Allah it is false, false as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in chapter 22 verse 62 ذَلِكَ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ That is because Allah, He is Al-Haqq, He is the truth. And that whatever is being called on other than Allah, it is that which is false. Those things, whatever is worshipped other than Allah, they don't own or control anything. They have no authority in the affairs of the universe as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. In this word of La ilaha illallah, it contains nafiyy or negation and it contains iqbat or affirmation. Negation of worship to other than Allah. It negates. Anything or anyone having any right to be worshipped other than Allah. And then it affirms that the worship is for Allah alone. La ilaha, nothing has the right to be worshipped or there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped. Illa Allah, affirmation of the fact that Allah is the exception to this. He is the only one who deserves to be worshipped. Here also, before concluding these few points, uh, there is a comment from Sheikh Nasruddin Al-Albani Hafeezullah, concerning the statement, la shay'a mithluhu. And as I said, there will be some repetition in these explanations for the purpose of more clarification. And also, there is another benefit it shows us how our scholars even though they are in different lands and living in different times they are saying the same thing though their words may be slightly different we will see that the scholars of the past what they were saying the same thing our scholars are saying today those who are in one part of the world whether in India whether in America whether in the Arab countries in Africa those who are of the ahl Sunnah wal we see that they are all saying the same thing here Sheikh al-Albani he says that لا مثله that there is nothing like him. He said this is هذا min من أصول التوحيد. It is one of the fundamentals of a tawhid that Allah, the Most High, He is unique and there is nothing like Him. There is nothing like Him in His that, His person or His being, nor in His sifat, His characteristics or qualities, No in His asfar, His actions. But the people of innovation, the people who deviated from the sunnah, and they left the text of Qur'an and sunnah and the understanding of the Sahaba. Those people, they want to reinterpret the religion, and for this reason they have taken this very same statement, Wala They have taken it, and they use it as a principle to refute or to reject Many of the sifat of Allah, wa ta'ala. many of Allah's characteristics that are affirmed by Allah Himself in the Quran, or affirmed by the Prophet وسلم, in authentic hadith, they rejected them and they denied them by their interpretation and misunderstanding of this statement, Wala mithruhu. Or as Allah said in the Quran, ka They said, Since nothing is like Him, then if We found someone saying that Allah has a hand, we say no, it cannot be, because there's nothing like Him and human beings have hands, therefore Allah cannot have a hand. (laughs) By their interpretation, they have actually rejected and negated and destroyed those characteristics or descriptions which Allah has described Himself with or which the Prophet وسلم, who is the most knowledgeable of all of humanity what he has described Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with. They use this statement and the saying of Allah, Shayun, that there is nothing like him as though they were ignorant of the rest of the ayah. Yeah they use this as a proof Saying that there is nothing like Allah, therefore they negate whatever Allah is described with that may be found in the creation, they negate it. As though they are ignorant that Allah completed this ayat with the words the affirmation. Allah after saying there is nothing like him, negating any likeness to him, then he affirms. But he is the hearing and the seeing. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah has combined between these two matters it's والإثبات the negation of anything being like him and the affirmation of these characteristics for himself So whoever wants to be safe and free in their aqidah then they must make tanzih, uh, yaani they must reject there being any likeness between Allah and anything in the creation they must reject such an idea while at the same time they must combine with this rejection of any likeness to Allah they must combine it with the affirmation of what Allah has affirmed for himself what Allah has said about himself they must accept it and affirm it this is the only way that a person will be free and safe in his aqidah free from falling into deviation by negating any likeness to Allah, they will avoid comparing Allah to anything in the creation. And when they negate this, they must not negate it by re-explaining. Negating by re-explaining what Allah has said about Himself. When Allah, for example, said that He has hands, then they said, okay, we are not negating it, but we just understand that hands mean power. So they re-explained it. This re-explanation it is also negation. There's outright negation saying that he doesn't have hands because he cannot be similar to human beings and there's also re-explanation or false interpretation that is also a means of negation. And both of these have to be avoided when we negate any likeness between Allah and the creation we must be careful not to re-explain, or to reinterpret, or to outright deny anything that Allah has affirmed for Himself. At the same time we must affirm for Allah those characteristics which He has affirmed for Himself or the Prophet Sallallahu has affirmed for Him without comparing. Affirm it for Him without saying that it is in any way like anything in the creation. That has the same description when we say that Allah is seeing and human beings also see. So we affirm it for Allah but without making any comparison between Allah's seeing and the seeing of anything in the creation, human, animal, or otherwise. And this is really the madhab of the Salaf, of the predecessors, the early generations of the Muslims from amongst the companions and the tabi'oon and those who came after them. And this is also the madhab of al-Imam al-Tahawi as he has made very clear in his book and it is the mabhab of Imam Abu Hanifa who he took this aqibah from and the rest of the imams of the Ummah of Islam of the people of Ahl-Sunnah wal Jama'ah. This is the end of the statement of Shaykh al-Albani and in closing this section we can summarize what we have discussed here in a few words that verily Allah He is alone single and unique, in his being, his being uh, unlike any other being, in his actions, in his names, in his divine names, which are more than 99, not limited to 99, and in his characteristics sifat or his qualities. As well he is unique and alone in having the right to be worshipped, every form of worship is due to him alone. Also we can say that Nothing is similar to Him in the creation, nor is He similar to anything. Uh, and that Allah has power over everything, nothing is outside of His power, nor is anything difficult for Him to do. Whatever He will, it is, and whatever He does not will, it will not be. Uh, this is a summary of what He has said here. The next point that Al Imam al Sahawi, may Allah have mercy on him, mentioned in his book, further going into further detail of the Tawheed, and particularly here we can say this is an aspect of Tawheed in the names of Allah and His characteristics. He said, "Qadimun bila ibtida', da'imun bila imtiha'. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Qadim with no beginning. And He is everlasting or eternal with no end. Many of the scholars who came after Al-Imam Al-Tahawi discussed this point in detail. It is important. The word or the expression used in this point, Qadim, is not one of the names of Allah. And here, both the Sheikh Aziz ibn Baz, Hafizah Allah, and Sheikh Muhammad Nasiruddin Al-Albani, Hafizah Allah, have both commented on this point. Uh, it is worth mentioning what they have said here. The Sheikh Aziz ibn Baz, he said that this expression, Qadim, has not been reported in the Quran or authentic Sunnah as a name of Allah, as one of the Asma al-Husna, one of the names of Allah. as the scholars who explain this book of Al-Imam tahawi have pointed to. But in fact this expression has been used by many of the scholars, Ulama Al-Kalam or the Mutakallimun, those scholars who didn't rely on the text of Quran and Sunnah but philosophized and used their intellect to interpret or to explain the matters of Aqidah and particularly the names of Allah and his characteristics. They use this expression, perhaps well-meaning, with good intention. They use it to confirm that Allah existed before everything. They use the word Qadim, ancient, in a way, in their attempt to confirm that Allah existed long time before everything else. But as Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Baz says, the names of Allah are tawtifiah. They are tawqifiyya. It's not something that we can use our opinion in. But tawkifiah means that these things in these matters of Aqidah and especially the names of Allah and his characteristics and tawheed, we must stop before we speak about them or give any explanation or interpretation and look to the text of the Quran and authentic Sunnah. Tawqifiyya means that the matter, its explanation and understanding rest on the text of Quran and Sunnah. And we must stop on those texts and not go beyond them. Inventing something new that Allah didn't give to us, nor did the Prophet ﷺ. This is a very important point. It is one of the fundamental principles of the knowledge of Tawheed and Asma wa Sifat. That the names of Allah and His characteristics are Tawqifiyya. No one has the right to explain them, to interpret them, or to invent or bring about any new explanation or new names for Allah, but they must stop with that which came in the Quran and in the Sunnah of the Prophet. It is not permissible to affirm anything by our opinion. As the scholars of the Salat of Salih, the early predecessors, the righteous uh, generations of the Muslims from the Sahaba and those who came after them, as they have stated very clearly in all of the books of aqidah. And this expression "qadim" or ancient, even Sheikh bin Baz, he says, it doesn't really give us the meaning that they wanted to express. It doesn't really give us the full meaning that they were trying to express. Because in the Arabic language, المتقدم ala غيره yeah, and the meaning of this word it means the one who came before someone or something else. Qadim, it means the one who came before something else. Even if there was something before. It. You can, as he says here, he gives the example as Allah said in the Quran, وَالْقَمْرَ قَدَّرْنَاهُ منازل حَتَّى عَادَ الْقَدِيمِ That the uh, that Allah has measured or made a measurement of the stations of the moon yani the phases of the moon until Allah has determined its phases until it reaches back to the stage or the, or the form like the old lower part of the date stock yani until that moon reaches the position that it looks like the uh, lower part of the date stock. Here the word Al-Qadim is used and here it means that that thing uh, which came first and it is all in comparison to something that came after it knew. Yani, if something was there and something came after it, we say that one is the old one and this one is the new one. But it doesn't really necessarily mean that there was nothing else before that one. It's only in relation to what came after it, that it's qadeem. It's all in comparison or in relation to that which came newly after it. Although there could have been something before it. But alhamdulillah, al-imam al-sahawi, he didn't only use this word alone, qadimun bila I mean qadimun, but he said qadimun bila means that it is ancient or all, and it doesn't have any beginning. Here, when we say, when he said it has no beginning, then that means it gives it a more complete meaning. That not only is it ancient in comparison to what came after it, but it has no beginning. That means it is everlasting or eternal. Na'am. Huh? uh, The meaning of this is not in reference to Allah, that He is the one who came before others. But it means Allah is the one that makes something come forward or something come later. In reference to us, in reference to the creation. But here we are talking about Allah Himself. Not that Allah brings something forward ahead of something else or something later after it. But we are talking about here that Allah Himself is first. And this actually, as the scholars mentioned, this meaning is given perfectly by Allah Himself in the Quran, in Surah Al-Hadith, chapter 57, verse 3, where He says, Allah uses the name or the expression Al-Awwal. To describe this meaning, the proper meaning that should be attributed to Allah, that He is the first. And the Prophet, in authentic hadith that's narrated by Imam Muslim in his Sahih, in a supplication that he gave to us that we can supplicate Allah with, he said, Allahumma antal awwal." O Allah, you are l'awwal. This, not only Allah described Himself by it, but the Prophet also described Him by this name. And the Prophet ﷺ also gave us the meaning of that name. He said, "Allahumma antal awal, You are the first, al awal, and then he explained what it means. Faleisa and there is nothing before you. Okay. So here he explained the real meaning, and he said uh, in the rest of the du'a, "Wa antal and you are the the last, and there's nothing after you. You are the first, meaning that there's nothing before you, and you are the last, meaning there's nothing after you. So, this is the correct meaning. And uh, shaykh Al Albani also mentioned similar comments uh, that this expression, Khadim, was used by the people of philosophy or Kalam, but that in the Arabic language, its meaning is really not what they try to explain. Uh, And then he also said something uh, interesting that perhaps this expression qadeem it might be used not as the name of Allah or as a sifa characteristic of Allah but it can be used to express an idea that you want to inform someone about Allah with something not as a description this khaba or akhba it is not a name of Allah nor it is a sifa or characteristic of Allah but it is only an expression that you might use to give some information and he said this expression was used by some of the scholars as it was used by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah in his Majmu' al fatawa he used such an expression but not considering as one of the names of Allah or the characteristics of Allah but only yani, as an informative expression to mention or to give some information in any case it is safe for us to avoid the use of such an expression and use that expression which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used about himself in the Quran and that which the Prophet sallallahu has mentioned in the authentic hadith then Al-Imam al-Tahawi after he mentions that Allah is one and that he has no associates and there is nothing like him and there is nothing outside of his power or his reach or his authority and there is nothing that should be worshipped along with him or that has the right to be worshipped except him and that he is the first with with no beginning, and that He is everlasting with no end. Then He says, "Wala yafna, wala yabidu, wala ykunu illa ma yuridu, wala tablughu al-awham, wala tudrifu al-atham." The first of these statements is also continuing in the explanation of. Tawheed of asma wa sifat. Descriptions about Allah. يبيدو, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He does not die or perish, or discontinue to exist. Allah is eternal and everlasting. يريدو, and nothing will be except that which Allah wills to be. And this comes under the Tawheed of al the Lordship of Allah. The qadr or the power of Allah And that which Allah wills to be (laughs) وَلَا تَبْلُغُهُ الْأَوْهَامِ وَلَا تُدْرِكُهُ الْأَفْهَامِ Here this expression is difficult to explain But we can say perhaps that it means That the reality of Allah The essence of Allah Cannot be reached by the human beings their conjectures or guessing they will not be able to grasp Allah by their awham they will not reach the point that they comprehend Allah وَلَا the understanding of the people their intellect or thinking or rationale also will not encompass they will not be able to have complete knowledge or understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah is beyond the comprehension the total comprehension of the human being. Here the shaykh he says uh, concerning these words لا يفنى ولا يبيد It is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in chapter 55 verse 26 and 27 كل من عليها فان ويبقى وجه ربك ذو الجلال والإكرام that everything which is upon this earth as well as everything that is in existence it will discontinue it will go out of existence, it will perish but the only thing that will remain is the face of Allah the one who is the possess- possessor of majesty and honor the face of Allah This expression wajhu rabbis, the face of your Lord, it affirms that Allah indeed has a face. But the principle that we have is affirmation of what Allah has said about Himself, and negation of any likeness between Allah and anything in the creation. Therefore we know that Allah's face is not like the face of anything in the creation. But at the same time we affirm that He has a face. And here the meaning also, not only affirms that Allah has a faith, but it is an indication that Allah Himself will continue to exist. Not only the face of Allah, but Allah Himself will continue to exist. We understand that from the meaning here in this ayah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Al-Qasr, chapter 28, verse 88, Kullu shayin illa wajhu. That everything will be destroyed, everything will go out of existence, Except his faith, the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning that Allah, Allah is the only thing that will continue to exist uh, Allah will cause everything in his creation to go out of existence but Allah himself will not go out of existence, he will not die, he will not perish he is al-akhir, the last and there is nothing after him subhanahu wa ta'ala then he says, and this is a very big issue that may take some time, we may not Completed uh, this evening, Allah knows best. Or perhaps we will just discuss it in brief and go on to discuss it further. It is the subject of wa al-qada wal-qada. As you know, this topic is one of the topics that the Muslims in the past and in the present have misunderstood greatly. Many people are ignorant of the reality of the Islamic aqeedah concerning al-qada wal-qada, wa which has been translated by people. In English it has been translated as Divine Decree, it has been translated as Divine Pre-measurement. It is usually referred to by the Western disbelievers as fatalism, uh, destiny, and other such words. The Islamic concept of Al-Qadha wa Al-Qadha is different than whatever those people believe in and whatever they have said and it is important for us to understand it uh, properly without going into lengthy discussions but it is important to examine the text of Quran and Sunnah and what the scholars have said about it so that we will believe in Allah properly and we will understand and it will help us in our daily life if we understand this concept or this belief of al qada Al-Qadha at least one of the benefits of it is that we know that we are responsible for our actions in this world according to the Islamic aqeedah of al qada Al-Qadha the people are responsible for their actions in this world, they are accountable for them. While at the same time, we also will feel and be at peace and tranquil when any calamity befalls us, then we know it could not have befallen us unless Allah allowed it. Therefore we will not grieve, and we will not be sad about such things, but we accept them as Allah's will. And we know that there is a wisdom behind it, and that it is a test from Allah, and we are being tested. This is yeah, I mean in brief, uh, only some words to encourage us To understand the importance of this topic And how it will benefit us in this world as well as in the next The shaykh, he says "Wala ma That nothing will be except that which Allah wills So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is able and capable to do whatever He wills And Allah says in the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah Chapter 2, verse 253 Allah yafalu but Allah, He is the one who does whatever He wills. Allah does whatever He wills. So if Allah wants something to be, then He brings it into existence, in spite of the fact that everything in the creation might not want it to be so. And if Allah does not will something, He doesn't want it to be, then nothing, and not all of the whole of creation, has the ability to make that thing happen or come into existence against the will of Allah and here at this point we are not ready to discuss in detail but here the shaykh in his brief commentary mentioned that this is a reference يريد, this is a reference to one of the two aspects of the irada uh, or the mashia of Allah Allah's will has two aspects. Al-Ira'da, Al-Kauniyah, qawniyya al that is Allah's will which must be the one He is talking about here is Al-Ira'da, Allah's will, that is Qadariyah. Or Qauniyah, His universal will. That which He decrees, when He wills it, it must happen. There's no way it will not happen. This will it has some important aspects that we should understand. The first point is that this will, al-irada al-kawniyah, universal will, when Allah wills it, according to this will, it will happen. There's no way it will not happen. It must happen. That's the first thing. Whereas Allah's other will, al-irada al-shar'iyah or al-irada al it means those things which Allah wills, meaning that he legislates them. He legislated that we should pray five times a day. That's Al-Iradah, Al-Shari'iyah. The legal or legislative will of Allah. The religious aspects of the things that Allah commanded or ordered or legislated for us. And those things... that whatever comes under this will, it must happen. Whereas Al-Irada al Sharia, the legal or legislative will, Allah wills that the people worship Him, but not all people will worship Him. He wills it meaning that He legislated it, He commanded us to do it, but some people disobeyed. Whereas if it came under Al-Irada Al-Qawniyyah, universal will, it must happen. So these two things are different here on this point. One of them must happen, the other may or may not. The second Al-Irada Al-Qawniyyah, Universal will contains those things which may be of good or bad of that which Allah loves or that He doesn't love. For example, if Allah wills that and He did will that some people Allah willed that some people will uh, for example, fight against Islam, fight against the Muslims and some Muslims would be killed in fighting. Allah may not will that the Muslims be defeated in a battle. He may not will it, meaning al irada Al-Shari'iyah, he doesn't love it for that to happen. But it's under those things that must happen for Allah's wisdom. He has some wisdom for this, why it should happen. And one of the wisdoms is that it is a test for the believers in this world that they will obey Allah and do what Allah commands them to do, even if it means loss of wealth or property or otherwise. Whereas al irada Al-shari'iyah The only things that come under this legal or legislative will Is those things which Allah loves Only Whatever comes under this will Is that which Allah loves There's nothing that's under this will Except that Allah, that which Allah is pleased with And that He loves So these are two points that are very important to keep in mind That when we say When Allah mentions in the Quran that He wills something Sometimes it's under al-irada, al kawniyah Universal will Which means that it must happen Although He may not love that thing Or be pleased with it he is not pleased with kufra and the kafirs. But Allah wills that this be. So Allah allowed this to happen. That is one of his wills. Sometimes Allah wills something when he says Allah wills something, and he means those things that he loves and he is pleased with. And that may not happen. The people may do it or they may not. Okay, this is the important point here. Inshallah, we can discuss it in more detail at another time. But here the shaykh mentioned it, so I just wanted to briefly discuss it. Then he says, after this point, وَلَا يَكُونُ إِلَّا مَا (coughs) يُرِيدُ He says, وَلَا تَبْلُغُهُ الْأَوْهَامُ وَلَا تُدْرِكُهُ الْأَفْهَامُ That, uh, as I said, conjecture or guesses are not sufficient to comprehend or to reach complete understanding of the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nor the intellect rational or thinking al nor is, nor is the human being or anything in the creation capable through their intellect or their rational understanding capable of encompassing the knowledge of Allah or the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَلَا يُشْبِهُ الْأَنَامِ Here, in the text as we found it in the brief explanation of the al-Aqidah al-Tahawiyah al The text came in this wording like this لَا يُشْبِهُ الْأَنَامِ Which means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not similar or cannot be compared to anything in the creation But in the of al aqida al-Tahawiyah that is the well-known sharh of Ibn Abil al which is the most famous explanation of Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyyah the wording came differently it is reported here Wala al-Anam," which meaning is opposite, from the opposite direction that nothing in the creation can be compared to Allah and this is also the way it came in the explanation of Shaykh al-Albani's text of this uh, Al-Aqidah al he also uh, reported it like this bihuhu al-anam," That nothing in the creation can be compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And actually there's no contradiction between these two uh, expressions The way they came If we say that nothing in the creation can be compared to Allah Or if we say Allah cannot be compared to anything in the creation The meaning is not contradictory but is complementary Because these two expressions actually complete the idea that not only is it prohibited for us to compare Allah to anything in the creation, but it's also prohibited to compare anything in the creation to Allah. We cannot give any characteristic of creation to Allah, making Him limited like something created. Nor can we give any characteristic of perfection that belongs to Allah to the creation, comparing that thing in the creation to Allah. Both of these are prohibited. So these expressions as they came here, and as they came uh, in other uh, reports or narrations, um, they are not contradictory, but we say that they are complementary. Then he says, "Hayun la Hayum la that Allah is living and He does not die, and He is la He does not sleep. we can say, I don't know how it was translated in our book, but I think. Uh, some of them translated that Allah is the living one who does not die and He is eternal. Eternal, no sleep overtakes Him. They said Qayyum means eternal. And others they said He is alive, death will not overtake Him, He is the protector. And no need of sleep at all. I think that's the way it came in the book that we have. The translation of Sheikh suhaib Hassan. He is the protector Qayyum. I think that the more correct meaning of Qayyum Better than saying eternal or protector, we can say that Qayyum has two aspects. Qayyumiyatullah, it means that Allah is the one who is self-sufficient. He doesn't rely on anything for His existence. But He exists independently on His own. As well as the other aspect in relation to the creation, not only He is independent of anything in the creation, but He exists independently, self-sufficient. But in reference to the creation also we say that the creation is completely dependent on Allah. That Allah is the sustainer of the creation and everything in the creation depends on Him. Allah maintains and sustains everything in the creation and it could not exist without Him sustaining it. Whereas Allah Himself doesn't take any sustenance or doesn't have any help or any need of help or any sustenance from anything in the creation. So there are two aspects here and they have described it, some of the translators, as that Allah is eternal which you can understand. If Allah has no need of anything in the creation, then He would be eternal. And Allah is the protector of everything. Maybe He means here that Allah is the sustainer, that everything is protected or maintained by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The commentator, he says, uh, لا al الأوهام Yani, that conjectures or guesses cannot uh, reach the complete understanding of Allah. He says that Allah, that no one can comprehend Allah. Nothing in the creation can have the perfect knowledge to comprehend Allah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Surah Al Taha, chapter 20, verse 11, That they, meaning anything in the creation or everything in the creation, cannot encompass with their knowledge, they cannot encompass Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For that reason, their thoughts or their rationale or their intellect or their guesses or their conjectures cannot reach Allah, nor their Uh, imagination it cannot completely comprehend Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not his that his being nor otherwise then he says just as Allah is not similar or to be compared to anything in the creation and his being his that or in his asma wa sifat, his names and characteristics, or his af'aal, his actions. Uh, this is also confirmed here. In this statement, la yushbihuhu al-anam. In all of these aspects, there is no comparison between the creation and Allah, between Allah and the creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, also He is the living, He does not die, as Allah said in the Quran, wa wa al Allah Yamut, then you should put your complete trust and reliance in Al Hay, the one who is living, who has perfect life and he does not die. The one who has perfect life and he does not die. This is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al Hay. And it is not only the name of Allah, but as we will discuss in our discussion of Tawheed al-Asma Sifat in detail at another time, that the names of Allah are both Asma and Ausaf. They are names of Allah that He is called upon by and they are characteristics or descriptions of Allah that He is described by. And this is different in the creation. Perhaps there is someone who has a name. His name is Al-Hafiz, Abdul-Hakim. But he is not a Hafiz. He didn't Hafiz the Qur'an nor the Sunnah or anything else. But that's just his name. Whereas Allah, if we say that Allah is al alim or Al-Hakim, or Al-Hafiz, we mean that not only is this a name of Allah, But it also is a description describing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we say Allah is al-Hakim, that's a name that belongs to Him, we call on Him by it. And He also is described by that description or that sifa that comes in that name, that He is wise, that He has wisdom. Unlike the human beings uh, who may be described by something though it's not their name or they may be named by something that is not really a proper description of them. Then He says, (coughs) Uh, going on to the next point كل من عليها فام ويبقى وجه ربك ذو الجلال والإكرام the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in uh, chapter 55 verse 26 and 27 وكل شيء حالك إلا wajhu, chapter 28 verse 88 so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, he is the living Death does not reach him Or overcome him He is the self-subsisting That all things rely upon For their existence Nor slumber nor sleep Can overtake him And this is uh, this, The fact that slumber no sleep overtakes him Is an indication of the completeness And the perfection Of this characteristic of Allah Qayyum, That he is Uh, not only self-subsisting but everything relies on him and therefore uh, as the the commentator says here (coughs) that if sleep overcame him or even slumber then the balance of the universe would be affected things would fall out of control or go out of whack but Allah is uh, in control of all the affairs of his kingdom subhanahu wa ta'ala Then he says also here that this word or this expression here in this uh, point in this there is a refutation of those people who make comparison between Allah and anything in the creation and they went out of Islam because of this uh, deviation this is the refutation of those people uh, who made any comparison Uh, those people who took um, those things that Allah affirmed for Himself and they said that for example there's no hands except human hands therefore Allah's hands is like human hands we compared Allah to something in the creation this is kufr, this is disbelief and of course if somebody believes such or says such a statement it's not our uh, right to declare that that person is a kafir but we are saying such a statement and such a belief is a statement or a belief of kufr but perhaps that person out of ignorance said such a thing or misunderstanding and proofs should be presented to them before anyone declares the kufr of anyone here finally we'll close on this point with a comment from uh, Shaykh al-Albani he says here that this is the reputation of the mushabbiha, the people who make comparison or tashbih between Allah and the creation uh, and Allah says in the Quran, Laisa Kamislihi Shay'un وَهُوَ Sami'ul Basir in Surah Al-Shura verse 11. And the meaning here of negation of the sifat is not as the people of Bid'ah say, Laisa there's nothing like him. We don't mean here like the people of innovation say that uh, when we negate Allah's likeness to anything, that we then negate that characteristic for Allah. We understand here, لا al الأنام. We understand that, that from the speech or the saying of al Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, in his book Al-Fikr Al-Akbar, the greater understanding or the understanding of the usul, the fundamentals of the aqida, he said, which makes clear this statement, لا يشبه that Allah is not compared or is not similar to anything in his creation and nothing in his creation is similar or compared to him then he said and then he Al-Imam Abu Hanifah says after that to make his statement perfectly clear he said that the characteristics of Allah all of them are different than the sifat or the characteristics of anything in the creation. Ya'lamu la ka That Allah knows. He has knowledge, but not like our knowledge. Allah's knowledge is not like our, our knowledge. ويقدرu la ka And Allah has ability or power, not like our ability or power. yara, la ka And Allah sees, but not like. The way we see, this is the statement of al Imam Abu Hanif rahimahullah, which shows the correct understanding of this negation of comparison. It is negation of anything being similar to Allah, with affirmation that uh, of what Allah has described Himself with, or what the Prophet, sallallahu wasallam, has described Himself with in the authentic Hadith. Inshallah, we'll stop here. Uh, and if there are any comments, or any uh, corrections, or any questions. Uh, Until we hear the adhan insha'Allah, any comments. If there are any questions from the sisters, we may send them over now. And we'll take a few minutes until the adhan. Uh, And then after the adhan, we may take a few minutes if there are any questions, five or ten minutes before we go to the Salah. Let me just remind uh, everyone and particularly the sisters that uh, we hope that you are following along with the book and that you are taking some notes um, because it is important for us to benefit by taking some notes, writing or recording or something so that we can review these matters and understand them better in order to make sure that we have our correct aqeedah as well as to be able to explain to others the correct aqidah so that we will benefit and others will also benefit from our efforts. So this okay. Is, uh, for us to describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it could be 99 names. Uh, uh, the brother, it's like Mr. Uh, George, the name no. uh, uh, We will discuss this in more detail later, but um, the question is. Uh, is it the safest thing For us to do um, The safest thing for us to do Is it to describe Allah with the 99 names That he has described himself with uh, Rather than uh, And avoid using such names That um, that Allah didn't use for himself Yes This is the safest thing to describe Allah with those names 99 names or more than 99 names As we know that Allah uh, Has 99 names Which there's a particular 99 names which whoever memorize those names and understand them and that which is derived from them of their meaning and rulings and ahkam and guidance and practice them in their life that inshallah they will enter paradise but this doesn't mean that Allah has only 99 names it means that there are 99 particular names whoever memorized them will enter paradise whoever practice them whoever implements them but Allah has more than 99 names so those names that we found in the Qur'an whether 99 or more than that and which we found in the authentic sunnah we should limit ourselves to describing Allah by those names and describing Allah by those characteristics with which He has described Himself and not describe Allah by such things that some of the rationalists and the intellectuals and the philosophers have described Allah Um, as we mentioned in our discussion on Wednesday Uh, that there are some Muslim leaders even today who have strange ideas like those who said that the Christians and Jews also believers will enter paradise this very same man who claims to be the leader of the Muslims in a particular country he has described Allah as being the divine mind he wrote in one of his uh, writings and said in public speeches that Allah is the divine mind divine mind Dali if we have minds then Allah should have a mind And Allah is divine, so his mind is divine, so he said Allah is the divine mind. But Allah didn't say he is divine mind. Nor did the Prophet ﷺ say that he is divine mind. Therefore, it's not for us to describe Allah in such a way. Even though you may mean well. In your mind, in your limited, imperfect human mind, and imperfect rationale and intellect, you think you are praising Allah, saying Allah is the divine mind. But in fact, it's not right for us to describe Allah by other than what Allah has described Himself. Because in our limited way, and with our limited intellect, we may think that we are praising Allah, and in fact, we may be uh, saying something that is very bad against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think uh, there's only one question or two questions from the sisters. One, what is the ayat? uh, Put your trust in Allah. That Ayat um, is in uh, Surah Al-Furqan, chapter 25, verse 58. And uh, the, the other question is, when we didn't hear the azan, did they call azan? Now it's 7.5, it's about, uh, not that. <laughs> uh, when a child asks where is Allah, please comment on the statement. Yeah. Allah is the only one who knows where He is, we cannot see Him. So we do not know. Please give a better answer. I am very uncomfortable with the answer. Allah is everywhere as some people uh, use, uh, some people who are ignorant use as an answer. this is a very important question and actually no doubt this is an important issue that needs to be discussed in more detail. But let me just say that if a child asks where is Allah, we may say very easily and simply without any hesitation that as Allah said that Allah is above His throne. Allah said in the Quran in many places, 'ala al-arsh." that Allah ascended above His throne. That means that it is not difficult and we should have no fear or, hesitate or hesitancy to say as Allah said about Himself that Allah is above His throne. How He is above His throne? In the way that suits His majesty and His glory. We don't describe how. This is a question that Allah clarified in the Qur'an through many verses of Qur'an. And the Prophet wasallam clarified in the Sunnah. There are many authentic hadith proving that Allah is high above His throne. Uh, so it, it's not for us to say that Allah is the only one who knows where He is. Allah told us where He is and we say as Allah said. We cannot see Him. That's true. In this world we are not capable in our limited form of creation in this world to see Allah. But in the next life we will see Allah. But because we cannot see Him doesn't mean that we don't know where He is. Allah has informed us where He is and the Prophet ﷺ has informed us. So we say as Allah said and as the Prophet ﷺ said when he asked the uh, slave girl where is Allah and who am I? And she said that Allah is Tissamah that Allah is above the heavens. And she said that you are the Messenger of Allah. Then he told them, free her, for she is a believer. This is a confirmation from the Prophet ﷺ. She is a believer, it means that what she has stated. If she believes that, then that aqidah, what she expressed is the aqidah of the believer. He affirmed and he conformed with what she said, that Allah is his samad. So what do we say? We say as the Prophet sallallahu confirmed that Allah is above the heavens. And the, and the Prophet sallallahu Prophet also authentic hadith said that there is seven heavens above this earth and there is five hundred years distance that one may travel between one heaven and the other and above that is a body of water of equal distance and above that is Allah's throne and above Allah's throne is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above his throne. That means that Allah is high above the heavens and the earth and above everything in the creation. We can say As the Prophet said. And we don't say that Allah is everywhere. Allah is not everywhere. Allah didn't say He is everywhere, nor did the Prophet say that He is everywhere. And it's not for us to say such. And this idea that Allah is everywhere, though it is widespread throughout the Muslim world, and it is written in many books, it is wrong, it is incorrect, it has no basis in texts of Quran or Sunnah, it has no basis as well even rationally we cannot accept such an idea if we say that Allah is everywhere then that means and we seek refuge in Allah from such ideas that means that Allah is in filthy places think of any filthy place can we imagine that Allah is in that filthy place that Allah is in filthy things that Allah is in corruption we cannot say such things so we should be careful to say that Allah is everywhere and don't say as those ignorant people said but we should correct ourselves and say as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that He is above His throne above the heavens and the earth, above the whole of creation Naam But uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the beginning of your statement uh, I'm sure in the Quran there is an ayah that it says that Allah and he controls the universe Naam. From, from above his throne I just the... and there's so many proofs about this topic there's a long discussion inshallah at another time we may discuss it in detail but I think it is sufficient only to take the text from Quran and any one or two hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, which very clearly state that Allah is above His throne, and this is sufficient for us. If anyone says otherwise, then we are ready to hear from them their proof from the Qur'an, from the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the best knower of himself. He knows himself better than anyone. Then we want to hear from him that he said he is everywhere, we accept it. We submit to it without hesitation. Or the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he is the most knowledgeable of all creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the messenger of Allah. If he said such, we accept it, and we don't question it, and we don't want to differ with anyone. If they bring to us such authentic proof from the Quran or from the Sunnah, we accept it. Otherwise, then we cannot accept such a statement, not rationally nor without any evidence from the Quran and Sunnah. if there are no other questions, then we should prepare for prayer. Now, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We will come to this place, Muhammad, the master of the messengers. Of course this is the translation and as I said earlier, maybe before you came, I said that I am not following the translation in the book that we are using. That book is only as a guide to give you something to hold on to. So you can see what we are talking about, what are the topics. Before we come to it, you may read about it as I requested that we should cross reference with the other books of aqidah that are available to us and compare and research beforehand, preview the topics. But I am not confining myself to that translation. Sometimes the translation is not clear, and perhaps sometimes even it's incorrect or inaccurate. <laughs> but in the text of the book, it doesn't say he is the master of the messengers, but it used the word al-mustafa, the chosen. He is chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, when we come to it inshallah, we'll discuss it in more detail. Subhanaka, subhanaka allahumma ubi hamdika, shahadunna ilaha anta ا توجو الينما النجوى من الشيطان يحزن الذين امنوا وليس